We're in the Gospel of John, and it's chapter 1, verse 29, starting. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him. But the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. So in this verse, it's um, the next day, John the Baptist, not the author who's writing the book, but John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and then called him the Lamb of God. Now, why is that such an odd way to describe somebody? This Jesus was actually John the Baptist's cousin. So, But he looks at him and he says, look. Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. And John knew who Jesus was. And he's telling everybody. He is testifying about Jesus. He is another witness to claiming that Jesus is the Lamb of God. Now, what does the Lamb of God mean? We'll get to that later because um, there's a little bit more further down. And I guess I will touch on it at that point. Uh, but he was, John the Baptist was saying, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because Jesus is of greater importance and authority than John. Because he was before me, he existed. And from the very beginning of all creation, he was a part of the creator, the one who created us. He was one, he was with God and he's also God. And this is a mystery. This is something, he's the son of God. Um, he is God along with the Holy Spirit. There is evidence of that. If you go all the way to the very first book of the Bible in Genesis, you will see that um, if you go back to the original translation of Hebrew, it uses the word Elohim, which is plural for gods. And it you will see that from the New Testament here in John chapter 1, verses 1, starting there, um, that Jesus was with God, or Yeshua um, was with God, and he was God. He's the Son of God. So we have John, the writer of the gospel, who is one of Jesus's followers, who's testifying that Jesus is God. And then we also have John the Baptist, who's testifying that Jesus is the Lamb of God and, and that he was before me. So he, he came about, he was in existence before John was ever conceived of. And he even further says, I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. So it's interesting, John also knew his purpose. God has a purpose in mind for every single person here on earth. And if we're not tuned into God and we're not communicating with God, we're going to miss our purpose. We're not going to know what our purpose is. But each of us has a purpose that God has planned before, we were bo- before any of us were born. Um, in fact, if you go to Jeremiah the prophet, um, he, when he was in the womb... God said, I have plans for you. 
and the plans for you are to prosper. And I think it's Jeremiah 29, 11, I think is where you can find that verse. But um, that even goes back to the prophets. Like every person that's in the Bible, God used for his purpose, for his will. And he is looking to use all of us, each one of us for his will to accomplish something, which is what God is accomplishing is his kingdom. And he's using all the people who are willing to build his kingdom with people who want to be with God in that kingdom. And we will be eternal at that point. So getting back to scripture, um, verse 32, then John gave his, this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him, referring to Jesus or Yeshua. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So John the Baptist is giving his own testimony that he literally saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And he said he didn't know him, but the one who sent him to baptize with water told him, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now that's interesting because Jesus talks about this later. He talks about with Nicodemus. He talks about being born again. And he said, in order to enter the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. And that's born of the water and of the spirit. So John was test, he was baptizing with water for it was the baptism of repentance. And then Jesus was baptizing with the Holy Spirit. And all of us need the Holy Spirit to be in God's kingdom. We need the spirit dwelling with us in order to be in God's kingdom. And again, that's what, to be a new creation uh, with the Holy Spirit, that's how we become a new creation. And Jesus explains that later on to Nicodemus. I think it might be in chapter three. So um, it gets interesting. But again, John is testifying that Jesus is someone very important and he's the Lamb of God, which we'll come back to also. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. That's really interesting because a little detail like that that's in Scripture, that has meaning. I have no idea what it means, but after studying the Bible for the last four years, I started to find out that almost every single thing in Scripture is not there insignificantly. There is something significant about that. So it's interesting. It was about 
four in the afternoon, you know, why would the, why would the writer identify that exactly? Um, there may be more meaning to it, and I don't know what that is. Anyway, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah. So now they're calling Jesus, not only the Lamb of God, they're calling him the Messiah, which that is the Christ. That's what Christ, when people say Jesus Jesus Christ, it's Jesus the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, and I don't even know if I say this right, or if it's Cephas, I'm not sure of the pronunciation, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. This is really significant here um, because he's saying, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. So Moses wrote about Jesus in the law. And that that was something I actually, when I was reading it, I thought I, I didn't really understand that. And so I started searching and searching and I found a few different explanations, but they weren't really satisfactory to me because I just, they, I don't know, they didn't seem, it didn't seem right. So then I thought, wait a minute. Okay. Laws, all the laws that Moses wrote about are in the book of Leviticus. Leviticus has all the laws. Remember going through that. So I went back to the book of Leviticus and I'm like, what would the law what would where would Moses write about Jesus in the law? And then all of a sudden it I understood. Leviticus chapter one, verses one through four. And I might as well just go there to read it to you because this is exactly what I think they're talking about. So here's Leviticus. And this is talking about the burnt offering. And it's Leviticus one, verse three. If the offering is a burnt offering from the herd, you are to offer a male without defect. You must present it at the entrance to the tent of meeting so that it will be acceptable to the Lord. You are to lay your hand on the head of the burnt offering and it will be accepted on your behalf to make atonement for you. So right there, it tells everything. So this is about Jesus, the Lamb of God, what we were just saying that John the Baptist called Jesus the Lamb of God. And then after he runs into these his other friends or the people that he's gathering, um, then it's uh, who says this. Uh, Philip is the one who said, hey, this is the guy that Moses wrote about in the law. And he did he realize that he was you know the perfect Jesus is the perfect sacrifice and he was the only one 
who could be the sacrifice to atone for all of our sins. He was the male without defect that would be acceptable to the Lord to make atonement for the sin of all mankind. So that's really kind of interesting there. And these are the kinds of things that just come up when you're reading scripture. And it keeps it really interesting. So then, and also the prophets, I mean, there are, I mean, it's so the Messiah, our Savior, all of those words that the prophets use, you will find evidence of Jesus. I just did many studies on the book, so I went word by word, chapter by chapter for Isaiah and Ezekiel, Zechariah, Jeremiah. Well, I'm not sure about Jeremiah. I didn't do that one. Um, But there are so many that refer to Jesus. Isaiah, there, it's just all over the place. There are so many references to Jesus. So, but, you know, this is why Jesus is in the Old Testament. Nobody, you know, common churches probably, I don't know, don't really talk about that much, but it's, Jesus was talked about. Um, He was referenced. I mean, that's something that's very significant when a prophet tells something thousands of years before it happens and then it happens and Jesus fulfills, there is so much scripture along the way where Jesus fulfilled exactly what the prophet said would happen. And when you study scripture, then you see it. And plus, these are written by different art authors, thousands of years apart from one another. So it's, it's just the more you get into it, the more you realize that this has to be divinely inspired, this book, because there is just too much in it and things that you are you will continually find as you're reading scripture which is really interesting so then um after that uh let's see he's talking to phillips found nathaniel and told him we have found the one moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote jesus of nazareth the son of joseph so then nathaniel says Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. That's another point. Um, this is interesting because this is exactly, this shows a little bit of the character of God. And throughout scripture, he always talks about the first being last. And he uses people who are very unlikely, very uncommon, not significant. There's nothing special about them. Throughout Scripture, throughout the Bible, the entire Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, God uses the most basic, unimportant people. And so many, many of them became really phenomenal people of the Bible. For example, David, King David, he was the youngest of a group of family. And when they were looking for a king, when Samuel came to their household to find a king, a new king, he wasn't even considered. He was out in the field and Samuel observed all of the the brothers that were presented, his older brothers who were presented as potential candidates for to be the king. And he found that none of them were the suitable ones. And he asked, he had to ask the father, Jesse, he said, is there anybody else? And then they they kind of said, oh, well, there's Daniel, but like, 
are David, but he's out in the field and, you know, we can bring him in here. And then, then he was the one that they chose. But again, God used someone that nobody was thinking would be considered, but God used him. And again, Moses, um, God told him he had to go to the Pharaoh and talk to him to release the Israelites, to free them from slavery. And Moses evidently was a stammering person or something like he, his words just didn't come to him very well. And he, he even said to God, like, why use me? I can't really talk. I'm not good with words. And then he said, well, he would send Aaron. I think Aaron was Moses's cousin with him so that he could, he could assist with that. But God basically told him also, don't worry, I will give you the words. And there's many times in scripture too, I think it was to Jesus talking to his followers when they said they were talking about not knowing what they would need to say or what words they would have. And he said, don't worry, because at that time, the Holy Spirit will give you the words. So there's so much where there are the, um, the I don't know what the, the underdogs that God uses in a very special, significant way. And that should say something to all of us, because if we feel like we are one of those unimportant people, that's exactly who God uses, and that's exactly who God raises up. So always stay encouraged because God may have really great plans for someone who is who considers themselves very insignificant. Just like the Messiah, the king being a you know, attached to Nazareth, which Nazareth, it says in the study Bible that I had that um, this is where it was just not a place that anybody would think the Messiah would come from because it was where the Roman troops had set up and they had foreign gods with them as well as they were very sinful and they oppressed the Jews. So that area was not an area that they would ever expect the Messiah to be located from. So then, come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. So Jesus is looking at him. He knows everything. There's, there's several times in Scripture where Jesus, he knows exactly what people are thinking around him. You'll start to see that as we learn more about Jesus. And um, we're told, like, even when he was here on earth, he could... He knew what all of the people around him were thinking, and it, it documents that in Scripture. And this is a, a right away, they're bringing this up when Nathaniel's present. So then Nathaniel says, how do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under a fig tree before, before Philip called you. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So this was just the beginning. Jesus is gathering his followers and he has a plan for all of them. Jesus knew because of his communication and 
continual connection to God the Father. He knew what was going going to happen, and he was obedient to what God's will was. And we'll see that later on in the chapters too. So his connection to God, he was again an obedient. He did not. He was a sinless man, and he followed exactly. He knew what his what his purpose was, and his purpose was exactly stated by John, the Lamb of God. He was going to be the sacrifice that would atone for all of mankind's sin, because there was that law that some. Uh, a male without defect defect had to be acceptable to the Lord to make atonement for people. And so symbolically, that's what what Jesus was and what Jesus did for us. And we're learning that in the very first chapter of John. So hopefully this will inspire you to look more into scripture or to continue on. If you like this podcast, please follow it. And please share it with others as we explore scripture.